There are many ways people listen to vision, including on smart speakers. Just tell your smart speakers to play Vision Christian Radio. Alexa, play Vision Christian Radio. Vision. Yep, it really is that easy. You can also say, play V180 Radio for our music channel. It's just another way that Vision is helping you look to God daily. The 2020 Summer Series on Vision Christian Radio. Now, according to author and speaker Brad Huddleston, our children are becoming digital addicts. He says video games, social media and other online activities are highly addictive and are having a huge impact on our kids' brain development and attention span. Today in the 2020 Summer Series, we return to an interview with Brad last year, not long after a tour of Queensland schools. Brad has seen a lot of frightening research into how children's brains are affected by digital devices. Neil began by asking Brad whether it's true that the younger you are, the more vulnerable your brain is to digital addiction. Yes, according to the neuroscience, it absolutely is, Neil. The the adolescent young brain is in a very high state of development it's very fragile and there are wiring issues that we all have and it doesn't really matter um you know what age you are neuroplasticity kicks in but it seems to kick in much more in the children because of the rapid development of the brain now you're involved in research projects united states also south africa and you've been a regular visitor to our shores here in australia touring some North Queensland schools uh, with police in North Queensland. Describe how that activity uh, actually has happened over... It's been a number of years now, hasn't it? You've done a number of these tours. Yeah, it has. I think I've uh, been coming to Australia since the year 2000, so I'm 17 uh, years in, in coming there. This will be, uh, well, the 18th. I think there was one year we didn't make it, but some years we came twice. About six years ago, I was invited by... A uh, very close friend, Sergeant Nigel Dalton, with the Queensland Police. He works in the Crime Prevention Unit, and under his banner uh, comes the cyber issues, uh, sexting and bullying and all of those. So uh, Sergeant Dalton invited me to come on tour uh, with him. And over the last couple of years, we have also been working with a very, very qualified gentleman, uh, Senior Constable Steve Smith, who deals with a lot of issues behind the scenes with um, you know, things like extortion and those sort of issues that go on on the internet as well but we did a tour uh, as we have for i think it was our sixth year we spoke to about four thousand six hundred students just just a little bit more closer to six thousand when you add in the teachers and their uh parents the the parents of the students and during that two-week period uh it was back in july i think it was uh i was up there and we went in that whole district around the, the district it's a very large district there in the Queensland. We did extensive research. We did a lot of surveys. We still have a mountain of data uh, that is still coming in, but I do have uh, some of these figures, the more alarming things to share with you this evening. And and as far as what's happening in Australia, it's no different than anywhere else in the world, Neil. The internet has pretty much leveled the playing field. Um, as one friend accurately described, we're all connected to the same sewer. So what kids are doing in one country, there might be a few cultural differences, but generally speaking, they're all enamored with the culture, and it's the same culture. So the statistics tend to be in line with each other around the world. So when we talk about these negative issues of Australia, please don't think that we are targeting and attacking Australia 
God has called us there, and we, we love those kids, and we love you, and we love the nation. And we love all the nations that God sends us to, but the numbers are about the same. Well, in all of those schools that you visited, uh, 4,600 students you mentioned, and you have surveyed those students. What does the survey form look like that you distributed to students and asking them about their Internet activity? Well, we had one for the students and we had one for the parents. And they're similar. We ask them about their digital usage, sleep patterns, what exactly it is that they do on the Internet, how long they perceive that they're using the technology in a day's time, um, gaming habits, social media habits, uh, all of those sorts of things. And so what we found was what the parents' perception of their children, they, they were completely wrong. And the kids were just brutally honest about what they do. This one thing I do love about this generation, they tell it like it is. They're not afraid to tell you the truth. The parents now, they live under the same roof, and I know their parents love them. There's no question about that. But basically, there was a, a trust there uh, that the kids were taking advantage of and issues like that. And so the numbers clearly showed this. And Brad, what age group are we talking about here? Because when we say schools, that's quite broad. Uh, primary schools, high school, how do you describe the age group? Well, part of our tour uh, was actually um, to daycare centres. Uh, many daycare centres have parents who are now using the devices as babysitters. There are daycare centres that are employing tablets because they're tremendous babysitters uh, within the daycare centres. Now, we did not... Find, uh, I did not ask if they were using tablets in their daycare centers. Uh, I just happen to know that around the world that is going on. But we were invited to daycare centers, and so we went to speak to very young parents who were concerned. So it, it went from primary school up to high school, and we really targeted uh, grades 3 through 12. And so we broke those age groups up, obviously, into a little more narrow demographic to kind of get a feel of what they were doing. So it sort of went... Well, it did go from uh, grades 3, 4, and 5, and then 6 to 12. And uh, we did, again, extensive surveys with the students and their parents. A broad brushstroke, Brad. What sort of findings have you gleaned uh, from the surveys that have come from these Aussie kids? Well, one example, grades 3, 4, and 5, we would ask the kids, how many of you have Internet-connected devices in your bedroom? 65%. And we would ask them, what devices do you have in your bedroom that are connected to the Internet? And it, and it was not surprising. We have Xbox. We have Wii. I'm not sure if parents are not aware that these things are connected to the Internet, but of course they are. And they game against each other. They have browsers. They can go on the Internet. And of course, they had smartphones and they had tablets. It, it ran the gamut. When we would ask their parents of the grades 3, 4, and 5, do your children have Internet-connected devices in their bedroom that you allow them to keep overnight? Hands down, categorically, no, we don't. And then we polled grades 6 through 12, and the numbers, as you would expect, were about 100% uh, of the kids reported to have Internet-connected devices that they're allowed to keep in the bedroom overnight. Same result when we asked their parents, do you allow your children to have Internet-connected devices uh, that they can keep in their bedroom overnight, and uh, it was very small percentage said yes. Most of them said no. So almost, uh, you know, 98% would say no. We don't allow them in their bedrooms. One of the big concerns that schools have: kids coming to school falling asleep. Why is that? Well, they're late gaming. 
and they're on social media. Those are the top two, and looking, of course, at pornography. So when you talk to the parents, they don't believe their children are using the Internet at night. They're even telling us that the kids don't have the devices in there, but the school will tell you quite a different story with the sleep pattern. So we poll the kids about the sleep and and their parents. So what we ask where we said we asked the parents um how many hours per day for example do you think your children are using technology they would say one to two hours per day the kids are reporting 10 plus hours per day and that is in line with the updated statistics from groups like the kaiser family foundation which is actually 12.5 hours per day so the kids are being more realistic in their usage and We'll take you hands down. It's it's ten plus hours per day that they're on technology. The parents believe it's only one to two hours. So with that amount of consumption, that's where the sleep comes in. When the students were asked what they think is a healthy amount of sleep per night, most of the students said three to four hours per night is adequate. And the reason that we found they were not sleeping is because of those Internet-connected devices that they are keeping in their bedroom. And for whatever reason, their parents are telling us that they're not allowed to have them in there. But, but of course, they are. And so sleep deprivation is causing an enormous amount of emotional problems, psychological problems. It's affecting their grades, their moods, and their attention spans. And this is not; these are not isolated incidents. I mean, when you have a... When you have a group 4,600 plus, I mean, we're talking about a substantial, uh, a substantial number for gathering accurate data, and it's in line with everywhere else in the world as well. So I would go so far as to say that this sleep deprivation is, is epidemic in all age groups now. The 2020 Summer Series with Elmo on Vision Christian Radio. It is the 2020 Summer Series, and we're looking back at some of the highlights from 2020 over the last 12 months, and uh, right in the middle of a conversation that Neil Johnson had with author and speaker Brad Huddleston. Now, Brad recently surveyed Aussie kids and their parents about how much they used internet-connected devices. Parents said their children were online for one or two hours a day, but children reported to using their devices for 10 or more hours. Today on the 2020 Summer Series, we're looking back at a conversation with Brad Huddleston about the dangers of digital addiction for our children. Neil Johnson asked him what the biggest problem with children spending so much time online was. Pornography. Pornography is the biggest pornography. one. When, uh, video gaming and then social media probably about equal. I, I was just... Um, recently in South Africa, all the way up to December the 15th at the University of South Africa, working with their Bureau of Market Research and its Neuroscience Division. Uh, I'm part of a, a research team there, and we spent a week studying the blesser blessee phenomenon. Basically what that is, uh, young children, uh, starting at about grade 7, are groomed by older men. They can be anywhere from 24 years of age up to 65 and they buy them gifts, they take them on vacations, they do lavish things for them. A lot of this is motivated out of pornography, but they buy them these gifts in exchange for sex, sexual favors. Now, it's called other things in other countries. Uh, in Australia and America, we would know it as someone being a sugar daddy uh, or a sugar mama. But what we found that was disturbing uh, in this particular research study that is very similar in other countries 
the developed countries where the Internet is, and in underdeveloped countries where the Internet is gone as well. From grade 7 to age 24, which is university age, um, in, the, in the four focus groups that we conducted with various demographics, both male and female, what we found was is that pornography is now normalized. And we found between the males and the females, 100% usage. The disturbing finding was, unlike Australia, uh, South Africa is very Christianized, and most people attend church. In fact, uh, 99.5% of those in our focus groups in grades 7 up through the university attended church. Only one student out of those four groups did not attend church. Every single one of them admitted that porn usage is absolutely normal, didn't give a second thought, and what we found was the church, the body of Christ, is not speaking into the issue, therefore it's not having any effect on our behavior. We find the same in churches around the world, uh, because the, the pornography is such a, a taboo subject. But at night, when the door is shut, you've got parents who don't think the children are using technology. They even tell us they don't have the technology in the bedroom, but of course they do. And what they're staying up late doing is looking at that. And when you look at the brain scans of people of all ages who get addicted to pornography, those brain scans are absolutely frightening. In Australia, the latest numbers came out in 2016, and they showed that 95% of males, uh, by the time they're age 16, are looking at pornography on a regular basis. They were very concerned with the 12-year-olds as well. With the statistics for the females, a little bit harder to come by, but uh, my colleague at the University of South Africa, as well as someone in Sydney who works in this, the three of us independently came up with a figure of 80% females But then this latest finding at the University of South Africa showed that if they have an Internet-connected device in their bedroom that they keep overnight, it's 100% for both male and female, and those were pretty large focus groups. Okay. I don't think the numbers would be far off anywhere else. It's just far worse than anyone ever imagined. So pornography is now normalized because sometimes we can tend to have this thought that yes, of course, pornography is a threat. Yes, it's available, and but my kids are not using it. My kids are not doing that. They're not showing any sort of symptoms. How do you? Uh, is there anything that you glean from any of your studies, Brad, that might uh, indicate that kids can actually hide uh, this addiction to pornography very well because it's something that happens in their bedroom and they're on their own? Well, it's not just the kids that have learned how to hide it. Husbands do as well, and wives. Uh, Until recently, it was predominantly a male thing, but that's not the case anymore. But kids are experts. Uh, They're little lawyers sometimes, and and you know I'm called to this generation, Neil. I I love them. So when I say these things, I'm only being honest. It doesn't mean that I I don't love and appreciate them. That's why I do what I do, is because of God's love that he's put in me for this generation. The other thing that you have to remember Generation Z, which is the current crop of kids in the primary and secondary schools, uh, George Barna just released very exhaustive statistics that, that they've compiled about Generation Z. They, they released this last week. Generation Z now uh, only has 4%. Uh, these are American statistics, but 
I don't think they're going to be far off anywhere else. Only 4% of Generation Z now has uh, a biblical worldview. And those who do have a biblical worldview, or the 4%, they are afraid to express it in pu- the public square, such as their schools, because they, uh, because of evolution and, and all those other issues. So they're basically outnumbered. So when you have the kind of pressure from the 96% of what's normal, and they see absolutely nothing wrong with it, it's very detrimental even in Christian homes. The kids just, just give in. They cave. So when I come along and say to the parents, you should remove the cell phone or the smartphone, the, the number one objection that I get from parents from any country is, well, they'll make fun of my child. So the parents are ill-equipped. They're, they don't view – they view their child being made fun of as far worse than the porn addiction and the video game addiction, the lack of sleep and all the things that we we're, – we're in a mess, but we're not without hope because we have a big God uh, who loves us, and I have to believe that he has me running around the world doing this research for a, a positive reason. So while it is horrible and it is bad, much worse than you know we would like to admit – I see hope. It's the 2020 Summer Series with Elmo, and we're revisiting an interview with Brad Huddleston, where he painted a fairly grim picture of the rise of digital addiction in children. But despite all the alarming stats, he sees hope. Neil Johnson asked him to offer some solutions to parents who want to help their children escape the digital addiction cycle. First thing I want to say from a neuroscience point of view, a neuroplasticity point of view, Neil, is that the brain has the ability to reset, which is the good news. If the conditions are right, much like if you were to accidentally cut yourself, if you would just clean that wound and then basically leave it alone and keep it in a healthy environment and not let any dirt come in, in about two or three weeks, you'll never realize that you even had a cut. The brain will reverse as well, but you cannot continue to ingest cocaine and get over cocaine addiction. Now, my book is called Digital Cocaine because the technology addiction is nearly identical to literal cocaine addiction, and so the treatments are similar. And when you enter into a rehab center, the first thing you do is have to get rid of the drugs, and you're not rewarded with a little bit of cocaine on the weekend for good behavior. But the good news is is that you'll detox. The personality will come back. The uh, mood swings will, will be alleviated. So the good news is is that there's healing if you stop taking the drug, and that should give people hope. But you can't cower in fear to the problem or to your child. You have to separate them for a, a good season, about six weeks, from the devices, and healing is possible. That's six weeks, though, Brad. It's almost like an impossible length of time for parents, given that there are so many devices around every home. Six weeks, is that really for everybody, or is it just some? Well, that's just a physiological reality. And so it it, it depends on how desperate you are. When people hit rock bottom, suddenly things that were once impossible are not impossible anymore. So it's going to depend on just how desperate people get for solutions, and then eventually they'll take the solution, or at least some people will. Now, the challenges, parents are looking like, Brad, they're fighting a losing battle here because kids have got the technology, it's in their hands, it's in their bedrooms overnight, and you're saying that 100% of children, or very close to 100%, are looking at pornography and it is doing damage to their brains. 
Brad, if we're talking about the sort of damage that gets done, even uh, global identities are recognising the the challenge that comes with artificial intelligence and the use of this technology, the likes of Elon Musk, who's been so prominent in the media with his uh, technological developments. These sorts of things are scary for parents, but you can very easily feel like you're defeated and somehow or other you just have to give in to this. Well, I will say, Neil, thank God that we have Christian radio, that we can get a Christian take on this. And I, like you, I always come back to God's Word, and I take such comfort and hope, no matter how dark the situation is in someone's life, no matter how much the culture is pressing on us, I love the Scripture. And in Second in Peter 1.3, or if I were in Australia, I would say 2 Peter 1.3, okay. I love what it says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, to our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we're without excuse. We have access to the very power of God, and Jesus said he left us his name. And at some point, Neil, the power of the Word of God has to be allowed to kick in. The, the, the answer to these pressing issues have been staring us in the face all along. And it's so encouraging that God said, I've given you all divine power that you need to make this Christian life work for you. And at some point, Neil, I'm writing about this in my new book, in 2 Corinthians six seventeen. at some point, this has to become relevant again to the body of Christ. Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And the conviction that comes from James 4.4, when God is calling these folks, these Christians, adulterous people, because they've been taken away into the culture, and he says, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And so God is jealous, it goes on to say, but he says, look, come to me, bring these problems to me, bring these addictions to me. I know you've gone off the rails. I still love you. All of my power is still available to you. My forgiveness is available to you. If you will separate yourself and stop being an enemy of me by being more enamored with this culture than you are with me, I will heal you. I will cause your brain to reset. Uh, There's a Christian community, God says, that I have provided, koinonia, fellowship, And the fellowship of the saints, with that comes a power of God with worship and the preaching and the ministry of the Word, prayer that comes, corporate prayer that comes. And if that community would would gather back together and be holy, separated, God says, I'll visit you, and and he will touch us. And so repentance is in order. These are very, very positive scriptures. Now, if you're in the midst of an addiction and you don't want to turn— Naturally, you're going to think saying things like this is just hell and fire and brimstone preaching, and it's not laden with grace. But, of course, forgiveness requires grace, and God says, I will forgive you if you're addicted. If you're addicted to porn, if you've not been minding your children like you should, I will help you. I've given you divine power. And so when I'm, I'm asked these questions about you know using psychology, there's there's help with that. There's help from neuroscience. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the only thing, Neil, that I have seen that has worked in the long term has been the faith-based solutions. For example, with the drug detox centers, with the government programs, 
of, of drug detox, traditional drug use, they have a less than 10% success rate. And with the faith-based ones, such as Teen Challenge, they have nearly an 80% success rate. And what's the difference? His name is Jesus. They teach a different lifestyle. They teach brain rewiring or behavior modification based on God's Word. And whenever we get God's Word involved, His power comes. So we are not without hope. It's a matter of turning our hearts, our affections, and our emotions over to the Lord and His Word, being part of a community of faith that's like-minded that says we're going to separate ourselves out from the bad. And let me just say this. Neil, I am all for online learning. I am all for Christian podcasts. I'm all for posting the podcast of this at the end of it. If we were to limit ourselves to those activities, we would not have this problem. The problem is with Netflix binging and pornography and video games and social media. And if we were to limit ourselves to the, in the workplace to the things that are actually beneficial, uh, we wouldn't have these problems. But workplaces are struggling horribly now with productivity because their millennial uh, employees are wanting to be on Facebook most of the day while they're paying them. And if you were to eliminate that and let the students, or not the students, but the millennials and the employees work their CAD programs, their word processing programs, we wouldn't have these problems. So it's not the technology. It's the addiction side of it. And that can be overcome. Surely there must be people uh, in the technological industries, uh, people who are leading educators, uh, even people who are in control and authority in nations around the world that must recognize that this is happening. What is in, uh, happening around the world? Are there some bright sparks who are actually taking some uh, decisive action on this whole area of, uh, of addictions? There, there are, Neil. While Australia is still riding the crest of the wave, Australia logs more time with technology in the classroom than any other nation on planet Earth. You are, are in a very precarious situation. However, the tide is starting to turn in some places. In France, for example, they have their education system has now banned uh, mobile phones from schools. And, of course, the pushback is only coming from parents, which is kind of odd. But they have done that. Apple investors want Apple to do more to fight kids' smartphone addiction. And so you might be asking, why in the world would a company or investors who want to gain money tell people, tell Apple, the people that they're you know, investing in to cut this addiction out, knowing they could lose money? I suspect it's because it's some older people who have kids and grandkids, and suddenly money doesn't matter anymore when it comes to their own kids. And so they're seeing this epidemic, and Apple is now under pressure to do more to fight uh, their very own created smartphone addiction. The World Health Organization uh, recently said this year in 2018, they're going to finally recognize gaming disorder as a mental health condition. Now, some people that scares them, but to folks like me, it comes as a breath of fresh air because you feel like you, you've got some support from, from some pretty high places. So there's a tide that's starting to turn. I think we've hit a tipping point now with, with many people that are starting to recognize the problem. And as you know, I've been beating this drum for 10 years, and I'm worried. I think we've gone over the edge. But, but because of my faith in Jesus, I believe that we're starting to see some people in high places help us to turn this around and give us some encouragement and the uh, willpower that we're going to need to really fight this at a level that it, where it needs to be fought. 
I don't want to take anyone's freedom away. I'm, I'm an American, so I'm all about freedom, but I'm also about morality. I, I do believe that we have to act with, with morals, and when you give a phone, a smartphone to a child, it comes with pornography. It comes with all the things we've been talking about in this program, and I, I really think we need to take a step back and be bold and loving and deal with it, be it ever so severely, because we love these children. Inspiring words there from author and speaker Brad Huddleston in conversation with Neil Johnson last year. If you're looking for more encouragement and practical advice or if you'd like to find an easy way to explain these issues to someone else, he has several books and DVDs available on the subject. Just head to visionstore.org.au and search for Brad Huddleston. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.